How is everyone today? Good, good, excellent. Thanks for joining us this morning, whether you're here in person or online, it's good to be able to be here together. Um, this morning we are starting a new series. We're looking at biblical wisdom um, for living life well that we can encounter in our favourite nursery rhymes. Nursery rhymes are something that we learn as small people and they stay with us. They kind of, um, you know, someone starts saying the beginning of a nursery rhyme and you can still finish it, can't you? I'm going to test you in a minute. Um, and our hope is that through this series we can take something that we know well and infuse it kind of with additional meaning so that when you um, hear or see a nursery rhyme in the future, you'll be reminded of God's wisdom for your life. Um, so if you're um, joining us um, for the first time, you're visiting with us, really um, welcome you. And um, my name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, our team leader, David, and his wife are currently um, on leave. So um, you get stuck with Aletheia and I. You get to have fun with Aletheia and I, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe that's a better way to go. Um, so this morning, we're going to start with Incy Wincy Spider. Um, that's, that's the rhyme we're going to start with. So um, if you don't know it, I'm going to sing it for you. And if you do know it or it comes back to you, you can feel free to join in. And I'm gonna, I, Lizzie can't quite do the action to this one, but she does like it. So we'll see how we go. Um, sorry, you have to live with my voice. So it goes like this. Incy Wincy Spider climbed up the water spout. Or it has actions. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sunshine and dried up all the rain. So Incy Wincy Spider climbed up the spout again. Yay! <laughs> uh, you can all sing it to Lizzie later. She does love it. Uh, so if we're going to summarise this nursery rhyme and what it communicates to small people, we probably have to go with these three words. Never give up. Never give up. It seems like good life advice to instill in our small people as they grow up. Perseverance is a life skill, especially when life gets hard. But when you've been in a, a place that's hard, how do you find the energy to continue when, it, when it's really tough? And it is a when, not an if. When we face hard times, because we will, in those moments, how do we choose to see beyond the circumstances that we find ourselves in? How do we feel hope to persevere, to continue? Just going to pause there for a minute. We're going to um, pray and um, just join me as we pray. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for um, small people and the things that we learn from them and the things that we continue to learn from the things that we teach them. God, we pray that um, you would speak to us this morning, that you would um, challenge us, that you would change us, that you would draw us close to you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So having a one-year-old, uh, Greg and I have been learning or kind of relearning nursery rhymes and songs lately. It, um, it's amazing how many of them come back to you when someone starts. Um, and every now and then it strikes us that some of these nursery rhymes are a little bit dark. So I'm thinking um, Ring a Ring a Rosie, if you've ever kind of thought about what that's about. Um, a little bit confusing, so I'm not sure actually what the story is with Hickory Dickory Dock. 
And when I was talking to Greg about this, he's like, yeah, and what's the story with bingo? B-I-N-G-O, you know, the, you know is, is bingo the name of the farmer or the dog? Confusing. And then we have those nursery rhymes that have a bit of an unexpected theme. And this is one of those. We wouldn't really expect to have a nursery rhyme about a spider. Little kids don't tend to love spiders. Um, but here we have one. We have a teeny tiny spider that has a life of repairing its home and being washed away again. And again. And again, depending on how many times you sing the song. A little spider that never gives up. So let's start this morning by having a think about that nursery rhyme. Incy Wincy's spider is small. He's Incy Wincy. Or if you have the other version, he's Itsy Bitsy. Um, he's little. But he's not without the ability to climb. He's not without the ability to spin a web. And then the rain comes and the spider is washed out. But the sun comes out again. The conditions change. They improve a little bit. And so the little spider makes a decision to rebuild. Now the question is for us, is the rebuilding an act of perseverance, a never give up kind of response, or is it foolishness? Is he just kind of climbing and going through this cycle of being washed out again and again and again? Where's the line? When we face adversity or difficult circumstances, we need to choose how we will respond. Will we just quit? We throw in the towel, you know what? I'm going to get washed out again anyway. What's the point of climbing and building a web? And if we continue, do we change our, um, do we change what we're doing? Do we look for a different outcome, a different way forward? Do we say, you know, last time I climbed up the centre of the spout, this time I'm going to try the outside. Can we learn from what we've endured? Someone who um, knew a lot about facing adversity in difficult circumstances was a man by the name of Paul. And while Jesus walked the earth, Paul was someone who persecuted the church. He attacked followers of Jesus. But he had a transformational experience um, where he encountered the risen Jesus. And this encounter turned him from a lead persecutor to a lead apostle. And as an apostle, Paul kind of faced um, questions from the other apostles about his credibility, his sincerity. And from time to time, from the time um, of his conversion to the time of he started his ministry as an apostle was probably about eight years. It's possibly eight years of um, people doubting him and being not, sh like not quite sure if we trust him to, um, to carry a message forward. But Paul was called and he was sent to be a missionary to the Gentiles, which meant that he travelled across the known world at the time to connect with people and help them to encounter Jesus. That was his job. He helped them start communities of faith and he continued to engage with those communities through letters and kind of journeys back and forth. And at least a quarter of the New Testament that we have are letters that are written by Paul. And the book of Acts, um, which is written by Luke, but includes stories about Paul's conversion and his commissioning and his missional engagement. And when we read through Acts, we find out that um, Paul was beaten, he was arrested, imprisoned and shipwrecked. He went hungry he suffered a chronic illness. He was rejected and run out of town. Paul knew what it was to be in a tough place, to have the rain come down and wash him out. And this morning, we're going to take a look at um, Paul's response to that as he shared with the church in a letter that we now call um, Second Corinthians. It was written, written to the church in Corinth. That's why it's called Corinthians. Um, and so in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18, we find these words. 
That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce in us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul's perspective here is um, quite astounding. At this point in his life, he's writing to a church that he founded um, years before, who are in the process of um, kind of rejecting his teaching and his authority. He's imprisoned at the time that he's writing this letter, we think, and he's facing a possible death sentence. And he says to them, our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I don't think that Paul is delusional. I don't think he's being trite. I don't think he's washing over how he feels. I don't think he's washing over the depth of the challenges that he's facing. I think he's got really great perspective. A perspective that's developed out of his faith. A perspective that's getting him through each day and filling him with purpose and hope. And it's the kind of perspective that says, it's raining now. I'm feeling washed out. But the sun will come out again. And you know what? As soon as it does, I'm going to go straight back to weaving that web. I don't know about you, but I, I think that's inspiring. And we too can have this kind of perspective. We too can have this approach to life. And I think there are two key things that we can learn from Paul um, from this passage that grow this perspective in us. And, and I do mean grow. It's kind of a, um, I don't know if you remember the Pantene ads that it won't happen, happen overnight, but it does happen. You, you don't suddenly tomorrow wake up and have this perspective. We have to work on it. We have to grow it. So if we look back... Um, the first thing that Paul meant, that I think we learned from Paul is knowing our contribution. So we'll look back to this letter in Corinthian, um, 2 Corinthians 4, and we start from verse 1. I'm going to read you verse 1 to 7. It goes like this. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort, distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest to know this. If the good news that we preached is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is in the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. This new way that Paul refers to is the way of grace. God has made a way for us to be in relationship with him and for all people to come to restoration. And we don't give up on that. God is at work 
we don't give up on that. Paul says we don't need to have underhanded methods to gain followers or to lure people into thinking that we're amazing. Now, Paul is saying this um, at this time to directly contradict the people that opposed him in Corinth. So he's facing, in Corinth, there's um, this movement of people trying to um, just agitate the church and um, undermine Paul's teaching. And their opinion was that Paul didn't have this amazing following and um, he suffered physical weakness. And because of that, he wasn't worthwhile and the message that he brought was faulty. And Paul says, my goal was to tell the truth, to share the gospel. My goal isn't to count the number of people who say that I'm amazing. My goal wasn't to be famous or wealthy. My goal wasn't to be powerful or politically influential. My measure of success is different. Paul says, my goal and our goal as followers of Jesus is to be faithful, to be faithful to Jesus and to the gospel, not to be what the world might call successful, what looks successful. So then Paul addresses um, the accusations about the content of the gospel that he preached. So it's not just, you know, this isn't about me, but also the, the message isn't faulty. He says, I didn't speak about myself. It doesn't matter who I am. I shared with you that Jesus is Lord and I'm a servant to you for the sake of sharing this good news. Paul is very clear about his contribution. He shared the gospel of Jesus through words and in his actions. He speaks about himself as a servant and as a vessel that carries the gospel. But the power that comes from the gospel doesn't belong to Paul. He says we're like jars of clay, just ordinary objects. And because we're so ordinary, that's exactly why you can know that the power of the gospel is from God and not from us. So this is the first thing for us to learn from Paul. Know your goal, know your purpose, and be realistic about your contribution. For Paul, his mission was clear, share the gospel. Reach out to people, care for them, and tell them about Jesus. But he has limits. Paul is a contributor. God is the one who is at work through him. Paul is not able to make people follow he can't change people's hearts. He's not responsible if they don't choose to follow Jesus. Paul is called to be a vessel, a jar. This is one of Paul's favourite metaphors for himself. He regularly kind of speaks about himself in these terms. He sees that he has value. He's not, um, he's not nothing. But his role is small. It's an ordinary role. God works and acts through him. Paul's contribution is to be faithful. And that brings us to the second thing. Second thing of two. So if you're counting down, we're about halfway. If you're starting to worry that we, you won't, that we are offering you afternoon tea and not morning tea, we're halfway. The second thing that helps Paul to have this amazing perspective is hope. So if we come back to Paul's letter, he continues to write. And um, we'll pick up from verse 8. You might have heard these verses before. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus 
so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, but so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. We live in the face in the face of death and this has resulted in eternal life for you but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said i believed in god so i spoke that comes from that um psalm that paul read for us earlier so we know that god who raised the lord jesus will also raise us with jesus and present us to himself together with you all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Paul sees his circumstances through a lens of what they could be. It's almost like he says, you know what, it could be worse. <laughs> We're hard pressed, but not crushed. We get confused and overwhelmed, but that doesn't lead us to despair. We're hunted down. We feel attacked. But God is always there. Even if we get knocked down, we're not destroyed. In all of the difficulties that Paul has faced, he sees God at work. Do you see that? Every now and then I will hear about something that um, kind of I feel maybe maybe not horrified, but it's um, I think it's quite a dramatic thing to have happened. And my turn of phrase in that moment is, oh my goodness, I couldn't think of anything worse. And Greg has started to call me out in those moments. And he says, really? Can you really not think of anything worse? Do you really want to play that game? And then he will list an infinitely worse scenario. Um, and it sounds quite morbid when I share that. Um, but it is weirdly encouraging um, you, Greg's around, so um, if you feel like you need some encouragement, you can go up to him after this. I've asked him about this. You can go up to him after the service and say, I couldn't think of anything worse. Tell him your story, and then he'll, he'll think of something worse for you. You can go away feeling uplifted. Um, <laughs> when we see God at work, even if it's about recognising that things could be worse without God, it grows our gratefulness and it broadens our perspective. Paul can say what he does because he knows that the thing he faces is not the end and will not last forever. And he knows that because he holds really tightly to a vision of who Jesus is and what's going on eternally. In verse 14, um, in that section I just read to you, Paul says that we know God who raised Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you, with, with the church at Corinth. God is at work not just in circumstances, but also in us, in Paul. He's crafting us to be the people that we will be into eternity. And this brings us back to those verses that we started with this morning, kind of the end um, of that section. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And that is why we never give up. 
While I was preparing for the message this week, um, I was reflecting on the difference and the similarities of endurance and perseverance. And so I looked them up. And um, endurance is about surviving hardships and difficulty. It's kind of about getting through. How do you endure something? And perseverance is about continuing despite challenges, obstacles, setbacks and lack of success. In life, we will face challenges. And we get to choose whether we just endure those things, which feels quite passive, or we can choose to pursue a purpose despite those things, which is much more energising. And this is perseverance. Life with Jesus um, does not promise you happiness. It doesn't guarantee you worldly success, wealth, fame, or perfect relationships. But nothing in life can guarantee you any of those things. That's uplifting. It's a happy thought, isn't it? It's true, though. There's nothing in life that guarantees you happiness or, or perfection. Our expectations for life need to recognise that we will face challenges. There will be some things in our lives that are hard. And there are circumstances that will feel like setbacks. We'll feel like we aren't making a difference. We can have times when the rain comes down and it washes us out. And in those moments, we have a choice. We can choose to see our contribution, not our lack. We can choose to see where God is at work, not where he's missing. We can choose to have hope in Jesus and the work that he's doing in you and through you. And you can, with God's help, choose to say, you know what? The sun will come back. The conditions will change. And as soon as they do, I'm getting back out there and I'm going to weave that web. Join me as we pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the hope that you set in our hearts. The hope that helps us to never give up to never give up on you, to never give up on the things that you are at work in the world doing. Lord, we pray that you would um, encourage us this week to look for where you are at work. God, we, um, we pray for those in our community who are experiencing right now the rain that's falling. They're feeling washed out. They're feeling flat. And God, we, we trust we trust them to you. We want to say to them, the sun will come back out. These troubles, this rain won't last forever. God is present and at work. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would continue to engage with us this week and that we would listen to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've just got a couple of um, reflection and response questions. And um, just if you, um, you know, if, you, if writing down helps you, um, there's just some space on those cards that are on your chairs to be able to write, write things down. Um, or if you're on Zoom, um, if you want to, you know, put something in the chat space, um, sometimes it just helps to write it down and, and make it practical. Um, Anything that you write down is, is confidential. We, you know, ministry, the ministry team reads them, um, but we, you know, we don't 
um, contact you about them unless you ask us to. So um, the questions that I have this morning is that, you know, to have a think about what's your current measure of success in your life? What's the thing that, that helps you know that you're doing well? What does faithfulness look like for you this week? If God said, you know what, the one thing that I want you to do is to be faithful, what would that look like? And then spend some time right now just praying and, and ask God to grow perseverance in you, not just endurance, but perseverance, to give you a purpose and a hope, to have a vision of a time when the rain won't be there anymore. Just going to um, ask David to um, play something for us and um, we'll just have some time to, to reflect and then um, we'll